three in the office. Y'all need my license or anything, huh? No, that's not necessary. It's a sharp-looking truck you got. Thank you. Those rims look like they cost you a pretty penny. <laughs> Who you been working for? Oh, no, sir. I, I don't work for nobody. I got my own pumping business. You know, I clear out all these trees around here. So you ain't got no boss to check in with, huh? That must be pretty nice. Free to run up and down the road wherever you want to, whenever you want to, in this fancy truck. <laughs> yeah, well, not if my wife got something to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that ain't stopped you before, though. Ain't that right, Johnny D? You won't make a break for it? Hmm? No, sir, I don't want to do nothing. Because after what you've done, I'm looking for any excuse to get this over with right here, right now. So I ain't did nothing, and I think y'all got the wrong person here. Y'all got, got me confused with somebody, and I think... I ain't got you confused with nobody. I don't have a thing to do with this. The feeling of being treated unfairly is something that we're all familiar with to some extent, though some are more serious than others. One way or another, we've all experienced treatment we feel was unjust. The hard thing for us to recognize is when we are the ones receiving the favor or the benefit of the doubt. It's even harder sometimes to recognize when others are truly or more seriously being treated unfairly. Whether it's because we're genuinely blind to it or we don't want to acknowledge it or because we don't have a problem with it. Realizing that we live in a world where not everyone is treated equally is tough to accept and wrong to ignore. The movie Just Mercy tells the true story of a wrongly convicted black man put on death row for the murder of a white woman. Along with several other characters we meet, Walter McMillan is a man treated differently because of the color of his skin, his past mistakes, and the feeling of superiority from others. It's the story of Brian Stevenson, a young black lawyer recently graduated from Harvard, seeking to stand up for those everyone else has cast aside while holding a deep desire to see change happen, to see justice. That's a great idea, standing up for justice. But like we'll hear Mr. Stevenson say in a little bit, we can't change the world with only ideas in our minds. We need conviction in our hearts. And isn't that the desire from our relationship with Jesus? That's the words Paul writes in 2 Corinthians when he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. It was David's cry in the Psalms when he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. But, as you probably know, heart change isn't easy, and it usually comes with a cost. Realizing the reality of the world we live in is something that all people need to be aware of, especially those of us claiming a relationship with Jesus. You see, to be a follower of Jesus means that we take on the cause of Christ. And what's that cause? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 22 when he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. Now, I think most of us would say that we've got the loving God part of that down, or at least we are working on that and trying to get better. 
but how are you doing, how are we doing with loving our neighbor? I think our response to that would depend on who we define as our neighbor. Now, it's important to know the difference between who our neighbors should be and who our neighbors really are. And to remove any questions or confusion over this, I, I can tell you who your neighbors really are for the most part. It's the people you spend the most time with. It's the people you hang around because you're comfortable with them or you feel safe around them or they think, talk, vote, look like you. It's who you'll go out of your way to help. But if those are the only neighbors we acknowledge, we are being disobedient to the calling of the God we claim to follow. The command to love God and love others has no stipulations to it. There are no exclusions or qualifiers. But it's hard to fully live that out if there are things in our hearts that we are unwilling to deal with, or we are unaware of who our neighbors really are, or what our neighbors really need. In this next clip, we'll see the first time Brian Stevenson meets some of the people he's trying to help. But just like sometimes when we try to share Jesus with someone, getting them to listen and hear us isn't always easy. Not everyone is sold on it or convinced that change can really happen. Uh, for Nam, 1st Cavalry Division. Saw a lot of friends die. Doctor said I got the PTSD. I, I, I did what they said I did. I, I put the bomb on her porch. I know it don't make sense, but I didn't mean to kill nobody. I think they're going to set my execution soon. Last lawyer said there ain't nothing left to do. There's always something that we can do. Whatever you did, your life is still meaningful. And I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. Last law y'all had sit where you sit, say. Johnny D don't worry about nothing, everything gonna be alright. Then they put that death sentence on me. Family run out of money. Money run out, he run out. What you gonna do different? First thing we could do is apply for a retrial. I already did that. I denied it. It's right there in your files. Okay, then we can we can ask for a reconsideration on that. Then a direct appeal to the Court of Criminal Appeals and work our way up to the state Supreme Court. If we get denied there, we can file a Rule 32. Then a federal habeas petition. And if all that fails, Mr. McMillan, we could take your case all the way to the Supreme Court. You don't know what you're into down here, do you? You think all the fancy words gonna get you somewhere around here in Alabama? All they gonna do is eat you alive and spit you out just like every other black man they do when they step out of line. You come out here with them fancy suits, 
talking all white. These people don't give a damn about that. The only suit they want to see a nigga in is the suit I got on. Mr. McMillan, I can see how that can be hard. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You rich boy from Harvard, you don't know what it is down here when you're guilty from the moment you're born. And you can buddy up with these white folks and make them laugh and try to make them like you, whatever that is, and you say, yes, sir, no, man, but when it's your turn, they ain't got to have no fingerprints, no evidence. And the only witness they got made the whole thing up. And none of that matter when all y'all think is, is I look like a man who could kill somebody. That's not what I think. You know how many people been freed from Alabama death row? None. What make you think you're gonna change that? One thing that all people have in common is the ongoing search for hope. Hope that things can change. Hope that things will get better. But as the search goes on, so does the battle. Life happens. Unfortunate situations and experiences come our way, fairly or unfairly, that push us deeper into the longing for hope, but also deeper into the belief that things will never change. Things won't get better. Maybe there is no hope. And that's the story Satan loves to tell. Driving guilt and shame into our hearts and minds is something he is very good at. And let him push that narrative into your life long enough, and you'll start believing there isn't any hope. That nothing can be done. That's the, that's the space that Mr. McMillan is in. But as Mr. Stevenson said in that last clip, there's always something we can do. Whatever you did, your life is still meaningful. The problem that comes in here is that some of us still hold the belief that we are better than other people. Whether it's because of the color of our skin or our social standing or something else, we have this false idea that others are below us. If we hold any belief in our hearts that we are better than another person for any reason, it is impossible for us to show the true hope of Jesus to someone else or to really understand it ourselves. When it comes to Jesus, we are all sinners in need of saving, and he has provided forgiveness and salvation for all people. So what makes us think that we get to pick and choose who is deserving of that love and hope and who is not? After a plea to postpone the execution for one of his clients is denied, Mr. Stevenson, Walter McMillan, and the other inmates show us what it looks like to walk through life with someone to really love your neighbor, even in hard times. A lesson I know I need to keep learning, and I'm guessing you do too. Need anything, Mr. Richardson? You still gonna play my song? Got it queued up and ready. Thank you.
It's been a strange day. More people ask how they can help me today than ever asked in my whole life. Do I look funny? I didn't know they were going to shave off everything. You look fine. Most people don't, don't get to sit and think all day about it being the last day alive. It's different than norm. At least I had a chance there. Cared enough to fight for me. Since I don't have family, I told the army to send my flag to you. That's okay. I'd be honored. Can you pray with me? Of course. They're ready. to death by electrocution in the state of Alabama as ordered and decreed by Judge Jerry M. White for the murder of Rena Mae Collins on August the 16th, 1977. So ordered. Mr. Richardson, do you have any final words you'd like to say? I have no ill feeling and hold nothing against anyone.
It's easy for a lot of people to look at someone in Herbert's position and say, well, I mean, he did it, so it's justice. He got what he deserved. What's harder for someone to say is that man can be forgiven. He's a child of God. He's my neighbor. Sitting in the position that most of us are in, it's easy to look on others in judgment. But do you realize that without Christ, every single one of us deserves the death penalty? Romans 3 says, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. None of us are innocent when it comes to following God with our whole hearts. But out of God's incredible love for every single one of His creations, every single person who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if we are a follower of Jesus, it is our job to go out and tell everyone we can about his saving love, to give grace and show mercy to those who are in need of it. But it's hard to show grace and mercy if we're still keeping score or drawing lines. It's tough to love others the way God calls us to when we don't see others as equal to ourselves. There are people around us right now who need to experience the love and mercy of God. They're just waiting for someone to share it with them. As he was waiting to be executed, Herbert said that it was a strange day because more people have asked me today how they can help me than they have my whole life. We all need people to walk alongside us in this life. We need the strength and encouragement and confidence that we are not alone. And no one provides those things better than our God. But God will also use you to speak those things into the lives of those around you. All it takes is a heart willing to be shaped by the gospel and an obedience to follow where God leads. But it also calls for us to set aside our prejudices, our perceptions, our self-preservation, our comfort, or whatever else it is that keeps us from loving others the way God loves them. When we put all of that aside and we see people in a different light, or maybe change how we see ourselves, You'd be surprised at what God might do. 
In our next to last clip, we do finally see the power that truth can have. When the truth is actually spoken, listened to, and believed. But we also see just a glimpse of what daily reality is for many of our brothers and sisters throughout our country and the world. All rise. The 28th Judicial Circuit Court of Alabama is now in session. The Honorable Judge Pamela Bashaw presiding. Please be seated. We've got a full house, so let's try to move through this in a timely manner. We're here because Mr. Stevenson has filed a motion to dismiss all charges against Mr. McMillan in this case. Now, Mr. Stevenson, since it's your motion, I'd like for you to speak to it first, and then we'll hear from the state. It's easy to see this case as one man trying to prove his innocence. But when you take a black man and you put him on death row a year before his trial and exclude black people from serving on his jury, when you base your conviction on the coerced testimony of a white felon and ignore the testimony of two dozen law-abiding black witnesses, when any evidence proving his innocence is suppressed and anyone who tries to tell the truth is threatened, this case becomes more than the trial of just a single defendant. It becomes a test of whether we're going to be governed by fear and by anger or by the rule of law. If the people standing in the back of this courtroom are all presumed guilty when accused, if they have to leave here and live in fear of when this very thing will happen to them, if we're just going to accept the system that treats you better if you're rich and guilty than if you're poor and innocent, then we can't claim to be just. If we say we're committed to equal justice under law, to protecting the rights of every citizen, regardless of wealth, race, or status, then we have to end this nightmare for Walter McMillan and his family. The charges against them have been proven to be a false construction of desperate people, fueled by bigotry and bias who ignored the truth in exchange for easy solutions, and that's not the law. That's not justice. That's not right. I ask that this case be dismissed immediately, Your Honor. Thank you. Mr. Chapman, what is the state's position on this motion? Your Honor, may I approach the bench? Yes, sir. Your Honor, um, I'm troubled. You're troubled? Troubled. I know that the people in this community want to go to sleep at night, knowing that if someone has committed a terrible crime, then that someone is going to be punished.
But um, in this case, Your Honor, I have um, taken another look at the evidence, and uh, Mr. Chapman, please. And the state does not object to the motion, Your Honor. To be clear, Mr. Chapman, are you joining the motion to dismiss all charges today? Yes, Your Honor, I am. Order. Please, order. Well, y'all made my job easy today. In the case of the People versus McMillan, the court hereby grants the defendant's motion. All charges against you are dismissed, Mr. McMillan. I can't imagine the emotions that Mr. McMillan felt in that moment. With the truth coming out and his name being cleared, that first breath of freedom must have been unlike anything he'd felt before. No longer locked up in a cell, no death sentence looming over his head, re-entering life as a free man. Saved. I can't imagine what he felt. The only thing that helps me relate is thinking of the forgiveness God has given me. When I think about how I was sentenced to die because I'm a sinner, but then how God saved me because his love for me is so incredible. I have to tell you, it's a great feeling, but it's one that I take for granted a lot of the time. To wrap things up for us today, I want us to listen to the words Brian Stevenson spoke in front of the Senate as he continued to address injustices in the system and to seek out change. I came out of law school with grand ideas in my mind about how to change the world. But Mr. McMillan made me realize we can't change the world with only ideas in our minds. We need conviction in our hearts. This man taught me how to stay hopeful because I now know that hopelessness is the enemy of justice. Hope allows us to push forward even when the truth is distorted by the people in power. It allows us to stand up when they tell us to sit down and to speak when they say be quiet. Through this work, I've learned that each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. That the opposite of poverty isn't wealth. The opposite of poverty is justice that the character of our nation isn't reflected in how we treat the rich and the privileged, but how we treat the poor, the disfavored, and condemned. Our system has taken more away from this innocent man than it has the power to give back. But I believe if each of us can follow his lead, we can change this world for the better. If we can look at ourselves closely and honestly, 
I believe we will see that we all need justice. We all need mercy. And perhaps we all need some measure of unmerited grace. Thank you. I told you all that. <laughs> yeah, you told me some of that. Pretty good, eh? Each of us is more than the worst thing we've done. When you believe in who God is and what he has done for you, your past no longer defines you. Whatever's kept you locked up and chained down is gone, and the grace and mercy of Jesus has covered you. And if that is true for you, it's also true for that other person, whoever they are. It's now our job to do whatever we can to help everyone find and follow Jesus. And again, that command has no qualifiers or conditions to it. We are to tell everyone about Jesus, period. Because like Mr. Stevenson said, which just happens to be backed up in scripture, everyone deserves justice, mercy, and unmerited grace. Now, just because the movie and story, which again is true, had a happy ending, that doesn't mean that change is complete or has taken place at all in many places. Sheriff Tom Tate, the sheriff of Monroe County, Alabama, at the time of this story, the sheriff who arrested Walter McMillan and led the false witnesses and accusations to frame him, remained the sheriff in Monroe County for 32 years until his retirement in 2019, being reelected six times since the release of Mr. McMillan. This story takes place in the hometown of Harper Lee, who used Monroeville as the basis for her book To Kill a Mockingbird, which in recent years has been removed from school reading lists in many states across our country because it makes some white people uncomfortable. There is still much work to be done for the kingdom of God and all the people who are a part of it. So two questions for us all to consider today as we wrap up. Who have I unjustly condemned in my heart because of their circumstances, the choices they've made, or who they are? And what actions, words, and attitudes do I let slide in my life and the lives of those around me because it would be too uncomfortable to challenge or change them? Ideas and hopes for change to happen are great. But what we need now is conviction in our hearts to really love our neighbors, all of them, so that we can help everyone find and follow Jesus. Thank you.